Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church, and this is the Friday broadcast. I'm so glad that you're joining us, and as I do on every Friday, I remind you to come and worship on Sunday. And if you don't have a place to worship, why don't you come on out to Hickory Ridge Community Church? Uh, we have a 9 o'clock service and an 11 o'clock service. We would love to have you come and uh, be part of the fellowship. Just come in and worship with us. And I promise you, we'll make you feel right at home. And I know that you'll enjoy worshiping with other believers. And uh, we have a great time as we gather together to worship. So I hope to see you on Sunday, okay? Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. We are the last church on the left as you're going down South Battlefield Boulevard. If you come to the sign that says, Welcome to North Carolina, you've gone too far, turn around, come on back. And uh, we would love to worship with you. Well, today, I want to talk to you about a subject, and the subject is this. How do I respond when I feel forgotten? Yeah, when I feel forgotten. Yesterday, we talked about evangelism. We talked about sharing the gospel. We talked about the power of being salt and light. There's an Old Testament passage of scripture that you probably may have read, but it never really resonated with you, but it is an instruction that is given to the high priest. And the high priests were instructed by Moses Leviticus 2.13, to not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to your offerings. Now, why in the world is that in there? I mean, a a sacrifice is something that is dead. They're going to put salt on this offering. Well, salt does two things. Number one, it brings flavor. Number two, it is a preservative. So salt is preserving that sacrifice and adding flavor to that sacrifice. You know, salt seems to be a very simple substance, but you may be surprised by some of the facts found in salt. For instance, salt is present throughout the human body. It is needed for virtually every physical function. An example of this is that it takes weeks of immersion in a salt bath to create Parmesan cheese. I didn't know that. They take cheese and they immerse it in salt, and it becomes Parmesan cheese. Did you know that Gandhi's nonviolent drive for India's independence began as a protest against a salt tax? Or that the creation of liquid bleach only became possible after scientists figured out the chemistry of sodium. Sodium chloride is bleach or chlorine. But they had to figure out the composition of salt before they could come up with the chloride. You know, the salt industry boasts 14,000 different uses for salt. In America, most salt, and this kind of shocked me too, most salt is used as a prized commodity for de-icing our roads in the wintertime. That's the number one consumer of salt. Kind of reminds me of what Jesus said about salt. If it loses its saltiness, what good is it? It's just going to be tossed on the road and walked over by people. That's what we think about salt. We throw it on the roads in the wintertime, and it melts the ice. In the culture of Jesus' day, salt probably symbolized permanence, purity, and value. You see, by putting salt in their grain offerings, the Israelites acknowledged the eternal, perfect, and the precious nature of God's covenant with them. The grain offering, that was the second of five main types of sacrifices that the nation of Israel was to offer unto God 
was a voluntary recognition of God's goodness. It was also called the meal offering or the cereal offering. It was the only one that did not include blood. And so this sacrifice, as it was given, was given, with the exception of the burnt offering, was given so that portions of this offering could be used to give to the priests so they have something to eat. Salt was required in the grain offering, but yeast and honey was excluded because those were always a picture of sin. Now, yeast may have been standing for sin and standing for rebellion, but God also omitted yeast in order for the Israelites to practice the Passover meal using a part of the grain offering. When we think about the reason for prohibiting the honey, that's unknown. But as we think about the elimination of the yeast, we know that always in the Bible, yeast represented sin. So there's no sin in this offering. When we think today about how we can work through lives when we feel like we're forgotten, and all of us from time to time, and it doesn't matter how popular you may be, how well-known you are, there's going to be times in your life you feel like people have forgotten you. People have gone and bypassed you. Well, I want to give you some things that I think will help you if right now you're feeling like your life is not making a whole lot of impact, if you're feeling like people have forgotten you. You know, there is a consciousness in our culture today that we go about our lives and we do so many things, and it seems like we are isolating ourselves from people. This is not a new phenomenon. As a matter of fact, in the days of Aaron, you remember Aaron? He was the first high priest. Aaron was part of that upper class group of people. I mean, they were solid in their structure. Those who were descendants of Aaron and Moses, those were the ones who were the official high priests. As a matter of fact, there was about 20,000 of them. And they would gather around Jerusalem, and they would bring the sacrifices before the throne of God and going into the Holy of Holies. And unfortunately, many of these 20,000 descendants of Aaron began to be very self-seeking. They began to be overly indulgent. Uh, They would be involved in trying to impress people. As a matter of fact, Jesus uses the parable of the priest and the Good Samaritan. I was a typical example of how many viewed the high priest in the day of Jesus. They looked at the high priest as too high and, and too mighty and too highfalutin to care about anybody else. But there were many who were different among that old priestly line. Not all of them were filled with themselves. There was a small remnant of priests. As a matter of fact, one of them was a guy by the name of Zacharias. Zacharias's name means the Lord remembers. You know, since the law of Moses insisted a priest marry only one woman of the highest reputation, Zacharias had chosen the daughter of another priest to be his wife. Not only was she a descendant of Aaron, but she bore the name of Aaron's own wife, Elizabeth, which means oath of God. Their names would spring alive with new significance before the sun sets on their lives together. So let's call them for the sake of our study today. Let's call them Zach and Liz. Let's first of all, look at how devoted they were. The Bible says in Luke 1 verse number 6 that they were both Zach and Liz were both righteous in the sight of God. 
They walked blamelessly, and they followed all the commands and all the requirements of the law. Now, we are mistaken to believe that holiness is the way to Christ. In reality, Christ is the way to holiness. But as we look at the lives of Zacharias and Elizabeth, we discover that they were pleasing to God. They submitted to the will of God, and they obeyed the word of God, and they did it in the sight of God. They weren't like most of the other high priests or the priests of that time. They were not performing to be seen by men. They were being seen by God. That is, they wanted to exalt the Lord only. They weren't trying to make a good showing before men. In that way, they were much different from their contemporaries. They didn't even care about the status of what it was to be a priest. They didn't get hung up on that. As a matter of fact, they lived in a very obscure village. Probably a little town like Moyark, right? That's where I live. Little town of Moyark, right? Has anything good come out of Moyark? Well, I hope a few things good come out of Moyark. But we see that Zach and Liz are from a very obscure village, and they, they never ventured out. And this little village is a, a hilly region south of Jerusalem. That's where they spent their lives. They spent their lives in this small little village. Their piety was no outward show. In other words, they didn't, they didn't flaunt their relationship with God. They had a heart that was right with God. They cared more about what God thought of them than what men thought of them. And that, incidentally, is a very important foundation upon which we're going to build a good marriage relationship. You see, the quality of our walk with God determines our ability to walk happily and harmoniously with each other. And that walk with Him can only grow as we seek to please Him rather than to impress men. Well, in spite of all this background, Zach and Liz felt disgraced. They so longed to have children. They prayed to the Lord that God would bless them with children. I mean, here we have a godly couple, godly people, with an unanswered prayer. In spite of this, they continued serving faithfully. They didn't abandon God. They didn't become complacent. They weren't half-hearted because of the disgrace that they felt. They didn't blame the synagogue, or they didn't blame the priest or anybody else. They didn't even blame God. They felt abandoned by God, or at least forgotten by Him, but they were tenacious. They remembered the Lord, knowing that God had a promise for them. You know, there's a cycle that we go through when we feel disgraced. First of all, we we retreat, right? We draw back from everybody. I don't know if you've ever felt like this, but he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to go to church because I feel disgraced. I'm not going to show up in public. I am retreating from everybody. When we do that first step, it leads to that second step. Then we begin to regress. Our lives spiritually begin to fall apart. The third step is a necessary step. If we're going to stay on the right track, we've got to repent. Say, Lord, I got in this woe is me, feeling sorry for myself. I retreated, I regressed, but now I repent, and I want to get on the right track. Well, that's what I want to talk to you today. How to get on the right track when you are feeling disgraced, when you're feeling forgotten. In Luke one twenty-five, it says, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me. In the days when he looked 
with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. When you feel forgotten, number one, honor God's ways. We discover in Luke chapter one, verse number six, and this is the message translation. This is a quote of how Zach and Liz lived. It says that they lived honorably before God, careful in keeping to the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. You see, respect of others on the road is not intended to bring frustration to our lives. It's intended to keep us safe. When God puts a stop sign in your life, keep doing what you know you should do. Don't stop attending. Don't stop giving. Don't stop serving. Don't stop praying. Don't stop having a quiet time. When God puts a stop sign in front of you, it's time for you to slow down. Do what you're supposed to do. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, There comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, no politic, no popular, but he must take it because conscience tells him it is right. Zach and Liz have a big stop sign in front of them. They are feeling forgotten. They are barren. They cannot have children. And here they are serving the Lord. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says that the Spirit speaks expressly, that in the latter times, some will depart the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devil, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. As I look at the time that Zach and Liz were alive, it was a dark time. They were at the end of that intertestament period, that 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It seemed like everybody was going off and departing from the faith. All their priestly friends that they knew were departing from the faith. But God protected Zach and Liz because they honored God in all of their ways. You know, the Song of Solomon says that you look at foxes, little foxes. It is these little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Foxes sometimes in search of food will enter into a grape orchard and devour the grapes and spoil the crops. However, the little foxes are too small to reach the bunch of grapes that that they have chewed on in the vine, and it's going to kill the whole vine, but the farmer will do something so it doesn't lose all of his crops. He will keep it up high enough so he will not allow the foxes to get in and destroy everything. You see, spiritually, some things that we do or allow, we think are a little insignificant, but they can be disastrous for us. If we can live higher on a higher ground, we discover that God will not abandon us. He will not leave us. He will instead fuse us with courage and strength. Moses says, don't be afraid or terrified because of them. That's those who are going the wrong way. For the Lord your God goes with you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. So when you feel forgotten, honor God's ways. Number two, rely upon God against all odds, even when it seems impossible. We learn from Luke chapter 1, verse number 7, that Zach and Liz had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. 
and they were both very old. Now, it is difficult for us to imagine this intense stigma that was attached to childlessness for them. Many Jewish rabbis insisted that it was evidence of divine disfavor. If you were a high priest and you couldn't have children, your wife could not conceive, you were one who was experiencing divine disfavor. While Zacharias and Elizabeth may have been righteous before God, some of their friends probably suspected that there was some serious secret sin going on. So there was no way to erase that blot. There's a little phrase that they were advanced in age. Now that means they were at least 60 years old. That's well beyond the time of childbearing. It was a hopeless situation for them. Zach could have exonerated himself by divorcing Elizabeth. You know, in that society, barrenness was a commonly accepted grounds for the divorce. He could have gotten rid of her, married a younger woman, had children by his new wife. He could have got that quote-unquote curse off his back. But as we look at Zach, he was a man of honor. Instead of disregarding his wife, he prayed. And we have that prayer. And the angel of the Lord answered that prayer and said, Zechariah, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give birth to a son, and you will name him John. You see, Zechariah took this situation, and he took it to the one person who could make a difference. He took his concern to the Lord. I would imagine that he prayed about it, and he prayed with Elizabeth about it. That's a husband's responsibility as a spiritual leader to pray for his family, to pray for his wife. And in the short time as he's praying, God fulfills and answers his prayer request. You know, against all odds, Zach committed his problem to God. You know, I'm so thankful to be part of a church that is committing its ways to the Lord and, and praying. You know, our church one time prayed for my son, Seth, who was going through a horrible time and prayed fervently for him. They gathered together in a very impromptu prayer service, and God heard our prayers. You know, we were praying that we could get my son who has autism and sometimes has these, these meltdowns. We were praying that we could get him into a, a, a temporary hospital or a home setting so they could give him the help that he needed. God's people prayed, and a few days after they gathered together and prayed, God opened up an opportunity for us to have him accepted into a hospital that has helped him. You know, Zacharias, he prayed fervently. He didn't stop praying. He didn't bail out of his situation. Even though it looked hopeless, he continued on praying. He believed that God was going to do the impossible. He continued to delight in the Lord. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now, there's no qualifier in that. It doesn't say just trust in the Lord when things are going good. Depend not on your own understanding. It doesn't make sense how they're going to have this baby when they're well advanced in, the, in years. Remember that the Lord and everything that you do, remember Him, and He will give you success. Well, Elizabeth and Zacharias, they discovered that they had to honor God in all of their ways, even when they felt like they were forgotten. They depended upon God even when they felt like they were abandoned. But number three, 
They turn their hardships into an advantage. You know, if you're in a bad situation, don't worry, it'll change. If you're in a good situation, don't worry, that'll change too. Paul put it this way. He says that we gladly suffer because we know that suffering helps us to endure. And endurance builds character, which gives us hope that will never disappoint us. And all this happens because God has given us the Holy Spirit who fills our hearts with His love. You know, I'm learning to be joyful in suffering. It teaches me to rely more on God. David, when he faced Goliath, saw not a giant before him that was too big to be defeated. He saw a giant that was too big to miss. When everyone else saw something too big to be taken down, David saw something so big it had to come down. I want you to know, Paul begged of the Lord three times that God would take away this problem from him, that thorn in the flesh. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul wanted to turn his situation around, and God says, I want to turn you around. I want you to know that sometimes we come to a bend in the road. It's not the end of the road unless you fail to make a turn. God awakens us to the pain we are facing and the hardships that we are facing. And he says, I want them to be turned into an advantage in your life. You know, we can create tomorrow, but we don't maintain yesterday. Anything that doesn't support what is important to you needs to be abandoned. The focus must be on creating a new tomorrow, the tomorrow that you want most. Mother Teresa said this, I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish that he didn't trust me so much. Maybe you feel that way today. I'm sure that Liz and Zach felt that way, but they refused to walk down the path of despair or blame. They instead turned to God. Helen Keller, who spent most of her life blind because of a mistake of a physician, said, although the world is full of suffering, it is full also of those who have overcome it. Well, there's one last thing we got to look at in the life of Liz and, and Zacharias today. They honored God even when they felt abandoned. They relied upon God even when they felt forsaken. They turned their hardships into an advantage. And lastly, they expected the unexpected. You see, the word impossible was not in their dictionary. God was going to come through. In Luke one twenty five, it says, So this is how God acts to, re- to remedy my unfortunate condition. God is intervening. Vince Lombardi said, We would accomplish many more things if we do not think of them as impossible. Robert Schuler said, The only place where your dreams become impossible is in your own thinking. And then another unknown author said, God brings men into deep waters, not to drown them, but to cleanse them. We discover that God allowed Zach and Liz to have a baby, and his name was John. And of the birth of John, it says, his birth will make you very happy, and many people will be glad. Your son will be called the great servant of the Lord. He must never drink wine or beer, and the power of the Holy Spirit will be on him from the time that he is born. 
John will lead many people in Israel to turn back to the Lord their God. He will go ahead of the Lord. He will be the the same power and the same spirit of Elijah. And he will be to the family of Liz and Zach. And people who are disobeying God will come back and obey. Wow, what a powerful testimony. You see, so many things are hidden to those who don't believe. And so many times, they're revealed to those who do believe. With God, nothing is impossible. You see, it's a whole lot more fun doing the impossible than it is explaining why something can't be done. I'm all about attempting things so great for God that they are doomed for failure unless He intervenes. Well, how about you? Do you believe that nothing is impossible with God? Do you believe that God can take you when you feel like you're forsaken, when you feel like everybody else has bypassed you? God loves to turn our disgrace into His glory and into His grace. Will you trust Him today? Would you remain vigilant as you are going through your life today? So Lord, I pray that you fill us with your spirit. I pray that when we feel like we were abandoned, that we will lean on you. Because you're never going to leave us. You will never forsake us. Thank you for this wonderful example of Zacharias and Elizabeth. May we learn from their example. When we feel like we are forsaken, may we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.